I would ask the question, what do you want to be known for? And I feel like that's a really just perfect starting point for so many people. I think so often we feel stuck because we don't have clarity. We don't know what we want to be known for. We don't know how we want to be known. We don't know the short story that we want to share. And so if you're feeling stuck, I would literally go back to the heart of the question for me, which is always, what do I want to be known for? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Jared Easley, of course, but you know that. But today it's not about me. It's all about the person sitting to the right of me, which is Candace Hickman. Candace Hickman, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank okay. you. What an honor. And Candace just drove through hour plus of traffic for the sole purpose of this podcast. <laughs> the sole purpose. <laughs> that no, may not be true. The no, there was no <laughs> other reason. She, she has other things that she does, believe it or not. So we won't judge her. But I do appreciate you being here and being willing to have this conversation, which you didn't quite know was going to happen. Yeah, I feel like I'm in shackles right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let let me me describe our environment so, so you can hear the shackles, right? We're in an outdoor patio where no one else is here. It's a public patio. There should be people here. There's no one here. There's a little bridge. There's a, I'm going to call it a, a waterfall. It's like a little, I don't know. It's kind of a tranquil little spot. It's got mm-hmm. plant planting and yeah, anyway. So I don't hardly feel like you're shackled, but <laughs> that being said, I appreciate you being here and we're going to talk, we're going to take a big swim in Lake U, uh, Candace. So for those that don't know Candace Hickman, let's just start going back. They should know about you. They don't. Let's catch them up. Yes, absolutely. Well, I am a personal brand consultant. What yes. does that mean? Basically, I help all types of service-based entrepreneurs to brand themselves, to mm. tell their story, develop a personal aesthetic. I started this work actually by, a little bit by accident. I was an occupational therapist. As you can hear, I'm from Australia. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Is that, that accent <laughs> from New Jersey? It's, so, yeah. yeah, it's from the land down under. You'd be surprised. Sometimes people think I'm from Boston when I say car. Really? A car park? Yeah. Car, car. I guess that, yeah. yeah that, okay. It's definitely Australian. I'm with you. But I moved over here in 2011 and my credentials didn't transfer and just went through a process of reinvention where I really uh-huh. had to figure out what the heck I'm going to do. So I'm in Chicago and I was sitting on my couch one day. I saw Jeannie Mai and she was hosting How Do I Look? Do you know that show, How Do I Look? I can't. I'm, I'm a guy. I don't watch it. <laughs> Well, it was a makeover I, I need, show. I need to care about how I look. I, I'm sorry. Well, it's this right. great. It was this yeah. great show in like 2012 where she used to do makeovers with people on television, and it was the first time that it occurred to me that that was actually somebody's job. I thought that could be really fun. That could be cool doing mm-hmm. makeovers on TV. I'd like to do that. And so I set out to try and figure out how that could be possible. Were you in Florida at this time? No, I was in Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Beautiful Chicago. Yes. Miserably cold. It Chicago. is cold in the winter. Yeah. yeah, I think it's cold all the time. I didn't realize winter lasted that long. <laughs> yeah, it, most of the year it's chilly there because you got the wind going off the lake. And stuff. Oh man, yeah. it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, so that's and it in a nutshell. And I'm going to South Florida. Six years later, so I've okay. only been in Miami Beach for two years now. I stuck it out in Chicago for six years. I hosted on a little local TV show there for a while and was involved with some video magazines and worked in real estate. I did a bunch of stuff. That's fun. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with myself. And in the process of that all, I had started kind of positioning myself as a socialite. I got my first CandaceHickman.com website where I was basically presenting myself as this spokesmodel and brand ambassador. I had no idea what 
what the hell I was doing. And honestly, if you know anything about Australians, that's pretty outrageous. Okay. To be have your own website with your name on it and to be running around town pretending to be really? a spokesmodel. Okay. Have you ever heard of tall poppy syndrome? I uh, haven't. Tall's poppy syndrome is this phenomenon in Australia. If you imagine all the poppies in the field, mm-hmm. they all grow at the same height if you ever go into a poppy field. If one of the poppies rises higher than the others, the farmer goes and he chops it down. And so in Australia, we have this syndrome called tall poppy syndrome. It's this idea that if you were to rise above or think that you're above anybody else, that we, the rest of society comes and kind of cuts you down, saying, mm-hmm. oh, you're a triad, you're a loser. Well, that's... Doesn't seem to be your personality. You seem to be the one that would rise up a little bit. Well, Am I wrong? you know, when I when I first came to the US, I was also one of those people who, like this, we call it take the piss out of somebody, you know, take the piss out of them. <laughs> Sorry, is, are we allowed to say piss on the show? We are now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, people. I didn't know Candace was gonna. Be this way. Oh, I'm right. sorry, guys. I didn't mean to <laughs> harm your ears. It's a blame the Australian. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I used to be that same way. It was this idea around staying humble and being really, you know, like in the US, somebody drives down the street with a Lamborghini and you go, oh, look, that person's cool. In Australia, the same thing happens and we go, that person's a try hard. You know, they're, they're trying too hard. So I, I was kind of like Interesting. that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So when you, you know, our claim to fame as Australians is just how great and down to earth we are. And, you know, it's something that we hold with much pride. So when I came to the US and I decided that maybe I wanted to be a little bit in the spotlight, it was hard. It was hard kind of getting my head around that idea. Because you had grown up thinking that might not be the right way to present yourself or... Absolutely. I grew up somewhat conflicted. I mean, that's certainly... Yeah, I want to talk about that too, because Hmm. your branding is helping people to get noticed more or less. Absolutely. So... For a person who grew up saying, okay, if you're attempting to get noticed, that might be you trying too hard, as you said, or might mm-hmm. be uh, you, your ego overinflated or something. What is that balance mm. for you? Well, do you know, so here was where the conflict lied with me. My father is African-American. Okay. Mum's Australian, so I'm biracial. And I had kind of always grown up seeing my dad. My dad's a pastor, so I used to see him on the stage. I would always see him speaking in front of audiences every week. Which takes a lot of confidence. Which takes a lot of confidence, a lot of courage. And But then also I had this Australian, I grew up in this culture. I think for me, it was this realization that the work isn't about me. If I seek to be, you know, somebody that is out in the public eye and that I'm speaking, I'm podcasting, I'm hosting, that the intention or the purpose behind my work is always to be of service to somebody to be able to share a perspective, an opinion, or a story that in some way helps the individual that I'm speaking to to see life or business in a light that they maybe never had seen it before. And I think that a lot of times when people are attached to this idea of ego or they think you're trying to be cocky or be seen or whatever it might be, in that case, a lot of the times we've forgotten that the work isn't about us. And so when I talk now about the slogan that I don't necessarily use on the front of my website, but you can see it on my, in my meta description if you ever share my website, it says helping good people become known. Because my idea has always been that a lot of people will come to me with the issue, well, I really want to put myself out there, but I don't want to brag. There is that thought that, okay, vanity is not necessarily going to help you know help you long term mm-hmm. 
people see you as being an egotistical person. They might not want to work with you. They might Mm want to, because it's all about you, Mm -hmm. but that's not what you're saying. No, I'm not. I'm saying that the more visible you are, the more potential that you have to make an impact in the life of more people. You know, I'm so attached to legacy. I'm only 31 and I think about it all the time. Like, what am I going to leave behind? That's interesting that that would be <laughs> top of mind at 31. It is. You know, <laughs> you know. I recently launched Becoming Known Academy. It's an online coaching community. Cool. And before I launched it, I did a little bit of market research and I had people fill out this questionnaire and I said, what is your reason for wanting to become known? Is it to leave a legacy? Like you want your grandkids, grandkids to know what you are and to literally leave that much of an impact. You want to live a life of freedom. You want to make more money. Like, why is it that you want to become known? And it was interesting. I'm the only person that said, because I wanted my grandkids, grandkids to know my name. I want to make the type of impact that people that I'm felt long after I'm gone. I already think about that. And you also have unique gifts and skills that can bring value to others. Mm -hmm. And if they don't know that you're available to do that, how can they work with you? 100%. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense. That's the heart of so, the work. So it really isn't a, I'm trying to stroke your ego. It's, it's a, I'm trying to help you leverage the tools and resources that are available to you so that people can, you can have greater visibility, but just, that just magnifies who you are already. Right. You know, if you're a person that is a generous person, that's just going to help people to know that that's mm-hmm. something that is, you know, known about you. Right. Okay. Now that, cause that, that was on my mind. I was wondering, okay, you know, if you've grown up in this, particular way and then you're like now I want everyone to be known you know what what does that actually mean so yeah. I appreciate you explaining that yeah of course uh, that's kind of a cool thing two years in Miami what's that been like for you two years in Miami what what, what has that been like what has it been like oh yeah. man that, you know Miami's different Miami's very different I love Miami Beach I think like I live right on the beach opposite oh, the ocean I'm there. sorry yeah <laughs> you better get it right that's, that's a, a they're, two different, they're two different cities <laughs> but oh man it's been great I think after living in Chicago, that was, I definitely felt like I was in America, like the United States of America living in Chicago. You know, you would see things like you go and stand at this Chicago and State Street red line at peak hour and watch all of the white people get on the train and head north and all the black people get on the train and head south. It's the craziest thing. But you would also experience this, you know, a lot of the American food, and I'm I'm using air quotes as I'm saying this, guys, but you know, the American food, and there was a certain culture that I kind of got used to. And then you come to Miami Beach, and it's just a melting pot. Yeah, I mean, true. Thanksgiving dinner we had on the beach the first year that we were there, and we'd invited a bunch of friends, and we had people from Turkey, people from France, we had friends from Cuba, we had, you That's know, what, I'm Australian. Yeah. It was fun. just, yeah, yeah, it was, it's completely mixed, and because it's such a transient city. It is. It's, you're yeah. just getting exposed to so many different cultures, and let me tell you, if you don't speak Spanish... Oh, it's fun. How's your Spanish? It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Probably as good as your Australian. (laughs) Mine is, yeah, it's brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, that's interesting that you pick Miami to come to. I can understand why you come for the beaches and stuff, but yeah, it is just so different compared to a lot of other major cities in the U.S. So It is, and that's probably why I picked it because after six years, you know, my husband, I was traveling in the United States when I met my husband. And so he kind of was born and raised in the state of Illinois, you know, and he just, I think, couldn't really, he wanted to move, but he couldn't really imagine being anywhere outside of that. And when I started exploring the other cities, when I realized I wasn't going to be able to set up camp in Chicago, like this was such, 
this was so far a departure from what I'm used to. Like I grew mm-hmm. up near the ocean where it's rarely ever cold. And then to come to Chicago and realize that you're stuck indoors for the better part of the year. It wasn't just the weather that bothered me. It, it was how it impacted on my day-to-day life. I wanted to have picnics and I want to be able to sit outside, you know, and eat my meal outdoors on the sidewalk. And I want to eat ice cream once a week if I want to eat it and it to not mm-hmm. be weird. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's not weird no matter where you are. But <laughs> Ice cream yeah. in the snow outside is, yeah, okay, is kind of weird. Yeah, that would be, I guess. Yeah. Right. You're right. So, and Miami felt like the only place where I could get city and beach in okay. one foul swoop. And now there's you're all in on the branding and, and mm-hmm. what you're doing. You're, you're actually speaking tonight. I made a joke earlier. She was just here for the podcast. We're actually doing a speaking opportunity. So, we, we were fortunate to catch her before that. But yeah, you got some cool things going on. So, what's mm-hmm. it like as you're navigating the waters of being an entrepreneur and growing this business, helping others to be known, but then you kind of got that own challenge of your own. You know, you have to let people see that you're doing this. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of the fun of it. It's like, I was very intentional when I decided, you know, I when I decided that my podcast was going to be called The Becoming Known Podcast and that I was going to have an academy that was The Becoming Known Academy and my book's Becoming Known, it actually... I was sitting on the beach about two years ago and I was I said to myself, why do people want to work with me? Like, why do they want me to coach them? And I was trying to figure out what was the primary driving force? Like, what was their primary need when they came to work with me? Why did they want to brand themselves? And as I really explored that concept, I realized that people were coming to me because they wanted to be known. They wanted to be recognized for their gifts and talents, even if it was just for within the community that they were a part of. They wanted to come out and they wanted to host workshops and they wanted to be really vocal in their community. And I realized that it was for them, it was all about becoming known. But then as I tied that desire they had to my own desires, it might be on different levels, but my desire was same. You know, I wanted to make a big impact. I want my legacy to be big. I want to impact a lot of people. And so I realized that I was on a similar journey. So I called it becoming known. Someone once asked me, why don't you just call it Become Known? And I said, because I think it, it applies to me and to everybody that, that I'm working with. We're all becoming known. And mind you, this was before Michelle Obama came out with Becoming Book, just as an FYI. <laughs> you thief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she stole from me. <laughs> yeah. But this is kind of what it was. This is what it's all been about. It's been fun. I feel like just by nature of talking about this and the, the idea of being a personal brand and how you can get more visibility, it's in fact helped to really give me the kind of traction that I've needed in my own business. So yeah, I'm like the money person that talks about money and they're broke. No, <laughs> joking. <laughs> Jokes, guys. Really? <laughs> that's okay, actually. I think, I think no. that's all right, depending <laughs> on circumstance. So your specific gifts and your unique talents to me, based on knowing you for a very short time, it looks like that totally is in line with this. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. I'm, and, I'm and how did you kind of know that? I didn't. It's funny. In 20... 20- I would say you're extroverted. I would say you're outgoing. I would say yeah, yeah. you meet people fairly easily. Yeah, those yeah. types of things. In 2013, when I decided that I wanted to be like Jeannie Mai, I went out and I started hosting with just like a little local TV show in Chicago. Right. And I did that for that and posted for a video magazine for about a year between the two of them. Then I did nothing with that for the next five years. In 2018, I launched my podcast and 
it was during that time that when I was bringing all the elements of my brand together and what I'd been doing as a coach, and I was encouraging people to take an inventory of all the things that they'd done and where they'd been featured and interviews that they'd done and speaking engagements that they'd ever had. And I was encouraging my clients to do this, that I realized that I had to do inventory for myself. I'd actually completely forgot that I had hope. You know, have you ever done that before? Had a mind blank on something that you've done? Yeah. I don't dwell on it. Yeah. So I guess if I were to add it all up, it'd be reasonable. You would have done a lot of stuff, right? right? So when I was doing an inventory, because this is what I say, as part of branding yourself, you have to get everything in one place and, and sort through it and write mm-hmm. compelling bios and all that type of thing. As I was bringing everything together, I was like, oh, crap. I actually like interviewed Ice Cube and like... Yeah, I saw that on yeah, the video. Like, I was like, I, I was pretty proud. I yeah. was like, hey, that's Ice Cube. Yeah, and like George Kotsiopoulos. Yeah, yeah, like East Fashion Police and Dee Wallace, who was Steven Spielberg's E.T. She was the mum in E.T. And yeah, like just different cool and interesting people and, and obviously many other cool and interesting people. And it was during that process that I was like, wow, I've actually been building this brand since 2013 and I didn't even realize it. Okay. So Yeah, I see how that makes sense. Yeah. And for those that haven't, you should check out her website because you do have you have a video that kind of shows all this stuff, all these different things you're talking about. Yeah. Again, which I put together in twenty eighteen when I realized I'd done it all and I had it all on camera. Yeah, watching that video, it was it made me think, okay, this is there's a lot more to you than someone might just see on like a LinkedIn profile. Right. Right. Yeah, which I and I added it to my LinkedIn profile too. Did you see it on my LinkedIn? I saw your LinkedIn, but I didn't see it on there. I saw yeah. it on the website. Okay. Yeah. Shame I, on me. I need to look more on the link. <laughs> hey, do you have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So when, I, when Candace and I were first talking on LinkedIn, I asked her if she had a podcast, and it in very clear, bold letters says her podcast name right under her name. So that was great on my end. I'm, that was a wonderful like first uh, yeah, yeah. first impression yeah. for you. Like, this like, guy I'm, is really sharp. He's smart. Yeah, I'm he glad he checks, Yeah, I'm glad he checks profiles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of like you. I, I get more more than one message on LinkedIn every now and then. So it's, it's sometimes, you know. Oh, who's popular now? Whether eh? it's popular or not. And there's sometimes that's a curse, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you're getting messages and they're not always mm-hmm. generous and kind people. They're they're looking for what they can get rather than what they can right. extend. Kind right. of thing. I'm sure you run into that. Yeah. Very familiar. So as you're growing your business, tell me about some of the clients that, and and maybe some of the stories that have come from you being able to help them. Like maybe someone has said, because you did this, now I'm at this point or something. There's got to be some kind of success story that's worth sharing. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of my clients who I love and who's become a good friend of mine. So she actually is a acupuncturist and she has a clinic in Fort Lauderdale. And she was actually somebody who was about to quit her business altogether. She said, I don't think this is for me. And through the process of like defining her story and who she wanted to speak to and how she wanted to speak to them, she was able to actually completely transform the way that she was approaching it. She realized that she didn't just want to work with people to heal pain. She actually wanted to use a unique therapy called cupping therapy, facial cupping therapy, to prevent the early onset of wrinkles in women that were in the spotlight. And so we kind of worked together to change how she was delivering her story, how she was telling her story. And she went from zero to 15 dream clients in the space of five weeks. Oh, that's wonderful. Yep. She's just, she's just scaled up her brick and mortar and she's um, now hiring her second employee. And it sounds um, like she's not wanting to drop 
properly. And she's not. She's, she's enjoying it. Very happy now. Good. And that was that's. It's been about about two years now. Wow, that's wonderful. So she's one person who I who I love and yeah, really just, proud just of. One of many. Yes, one of many. <laughs> and hopefully many more. <laughs> many, many more to come. So, so yeah. So what advice do you have to someone who's listening to this and they're like, right now, Candace, I just feel stuck. Mm. What do you say to them? Mm. They feel stuck around this idea of becoming known. I would ask the question, what do you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a really just perfect starting point for so many people. I think so often we feel stuck because we don't have clarity. We don't know what we want to be known for. We don't know how we want to be known. We don't know the short story that we want to share. And so if you're feeling stuck, I would literally go back to the heart of the question for me, which is always, what do I want to be known for? Because I've heard this before, and I'm sure you'd agree. Uh, it's confusion repels and clarity attracts. Yes. Do you know Donald Miller? Is he the one that says that? He, he, <laughs> he has the story brand method, which is yeah, like, I'm with yeah, which is like, yeah. phenomenal. And he says, if you confuse, you lose. Okay. And I think that that's just about as true uh, as it gets. I'm glad I didn't lose this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I confused you a few times, Candace. So thank you for being uh, gracious yes, in, of in spite of that. Of uh, well, okay. So these little interviews aren't real long, but uh, I'm just kind of curious. What are some things that, that get you excited? Like who's doing something in the you right now? Who's doing somebody? Something or an organization, either. either. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to have to take this opportunity to give a shout out to the Soul Sisters Leadership Collective. As you should. So I sit on the board of directors for a nonprofit. Okay. And the mission is to interrupt cycles of incarceration in girls and femmes of color. And so right now, there is this, well, it's not right now, it's been happening for years, this criminalization of girls in schools. You know, in September in Florida, a six-year-old was arrested for throwing a tantrum and hitting a teacher. My goodness. And she was taken in a police car. She had a mug shots taken, all because she threw a tantrum and hit a, hit a teacher. And this type of thing, this criminalization of girls so young and so prevalent as it, you know, in black children is an issue. And so the Solstice's Leadership Collective is working with not only like with not only with at a, a like a at a local political level but to change the laws around it but also to start implementing restorative justice programming in schools to help girls through leadership and through cultivating entrepreneurship skills and they're just doing so many great things for our How community. did you learn about this and like what part of that resonated with you initially So interestingly enough I reached out to them because I just wanted to go in and teach <laughs> I reached out to them and I said, hey, you know, I love what you're doing. I would love to be able to come in and do contribute to your entrepreneurship program for the girls that you teach. And the executive director, who's also the founder, Wakumi Douglas, she reached back out to me. She said, actually, <laughs> we need recruiting for board members right now and I'd love to be able to chat with you. And so when I went in and I really learned about the programming, that's really what got me. I think the more I hear about the issues that are occurring, it's saddening, it's angering. But more than anything, I'm somebody who believes in the power of creative expression, of entrepreneurship, of leadership, of the transformative impacts of those things. And so for me, it was this idea about con contributing to the programming, which I'm not, not, funnily enough, I'm not necessarily doing right now, but that was what was really compelling to me. But then, yeah, just over during time, I've seen and, and, um, I guess, been on the forefront of what these issues are looking like. A new documentary just come out with uh, Dr. Monique Morris, who wrote The Push Out, 
about the criminalization of black girls in schools. And so that's a documentary that's currently circulating in film festivals. And we had her in Miami just a couple of weeks ago with a, one of the exclusive private screenings. And so, yeah, just seeing the injustice, it's pretty sad, you know, that there's this cradle to prison pipeline. These children are coming, they're, they're children, and they're already placed in schools that are meant to protect them, that don't know what to do with them, and already having experiences of what it means to be against the law at six years old. Like, yeah, this is a problem. Traumatic. Yeah. As a, yeah, I have a, a daughter, she's nine, but I can only imagine <laughs> at that age, I'm a, a, I can't fathom that. So, mm-hmm. um, where can people learn more about that organization? Yeah, soulsistersleadership.com. And uh, for people that are listening to this and saying, I want to be known, and maybe Candace can help me with that, mm-hmm. and you should, where can they go to connect with you, find out what's going on with you? Yeah. Almost everything that I'm involved in, you can find via my website. It's at CandaceHickman.com, and Candace is C-A-N-D-I-S. Yes. Hickman.com. Yeah, and she does have a podcast. I do have a podcast. It's called The Becoming Known Podcast. Let me do a quick plug a good, for it. It's a good podcast. <laughs> you can link to it also through my website. But yeah. You actually have a link on your webpage for people that want to be prospective guests. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because it was getting to the point where I was having a lot of people pitching me. Yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah, and I just thought, you know what? Let me just let me create a link so that people can pitch me to be on this podcast. Ah, okay. Um, I, it's not something I publicize very much. Because, no, I saw it on there, though. I thought, yeah, you saw it. But yeah, well, I, I thought that was kind of nice because, yeah, I was like, okay, if somebody's genuinely a good fit, that's where they could go to. Yeah, exactly. They can go. Yeah. Interestingly enough, um, I do encourage if people are going to pitch me to at least listen to the show first. Hopefully they do. I, not everyone is. I do get yeah. some pitches that I'm like, what you would make you think that this <laughs> <laughs> would be a good yeah. fit? Yeah. But yeah. um, but but now I'm kind of combating that question by asking, what was your favorite episode? <laughs> Just so that I can get a sense. Like, did oh, you listen? And then, then they're on the hook. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, the the one mo- yeah that guy yeah. that that one. That's why I have a thirty percent completion rate. <laughs> <laughs> I go to type form. Thirty percent of people who entered this page completed it. Oh really? Well, yeah. that's probably what it is. They, yep. they say, okay, I can't, I'm not going to be able to pull one over on you. <laughs> Maybe no. just send you an email. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, Last question. We always close out with final thoughts. Do you have any final thoughts, Candace? Mm, Jared, you're a pleasure. That's all oh, I have well, to say. Oh, even if that's not true, thank you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I do. I really I, I enjoy your personality. And just as an FYI, we're not in some. We are in a serene kind of space, but we are in the back of Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> we're at Dunkin' Donuts, people. We're, we're, we're at Dunkin' in Davie, Donuts. Florida. Yes. Uh, you let the record reflect that. <laughs> <laughs> the best. It might just be the best Dunkin' Donuts in when, that when I've ever gonna seen. You're going to have a podcast interview. You want to, you you know, step it up a notch. And yeah. I thought, what, what better place than the serene, yeah. you know, back patio of yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. And I actually really appreciate the fact that you fully trusted that I'd be able to handle this interview with no notice. <laughs> uh, guys, I rocked up to Dunkin' Donuts and he was like, pulled out his microphone <laughs> and said, we're doing this. Come on. I said, okay, well. Yes, I did that, <laughs> and I was so desperate to be known, and and, uh, and that, that that I think it worked actually. I, so I now, now you know who I am, and we're we're cool. So yeah, I won't I won't uh, feel bad about that. But I do appreciate your time, and best wishes to you and your husband, and all the cool stuff that are going on. And uh, definitely plan on keeping in touch and doing a follow up. And I, I mean, we didn't even scratch the surface. Is there books? You know, you, oh, we did, we could have talked about the academy for thirty minutes. Oh my goodness! So there's other stuff to chat about. So I'm excited for you. I look forward to uh, checking in again, and seeing how things are going. Awesome! Thanks very right, much. Thank Jeff. you so much. 